1: Director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing, She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt.
0: Hello, and welcome to Why Shamanism Now. My name is Kate Smith, and I'm your host today, along with Rita Vega, Rada and I are students of the Last Mask Center, Christina Pratt School for Shamanic Studies. If you were listening two weeks ago, you'll recall that Rada and I turned the tables on Christina and interviewed your usual host and our teacher on her own show. That episode is titled Finding Your Authentic Self, and the podcast is available for free on iTunes and on the website for Why Shamanism Now. We challenged Christina to describe the cosmology of the Last Mask Center, the teachings of her four-year cycle of transformation, and how to begin getting involved with the Last Mask Center, all in the space of an hour. We did pretty well with that, but Rada and I realized that that's not the entire story. So today we'd like to follow up with Christina on the practical life skills students can learn from the Last Mask Center how students are supported through their journey in the cycle of transformation, and what happens once the training is completed.
2: I'd like to call in the spirits to join us here today. I call out to all our ancestral helping spirits who bring the energy that is true and good and beautiful in our ancestral lines. I call on them to guide us toward living our authentic truth, so that our descendants may inherit a world where they can live their soul's purpose. I call out to the energy of the earth to send us the protection and support to manifest our gifts here on earth, to keep us grounded in our path of true authenticity. I call out to the energy of the sky, the energy of the source, which allows us to be in the realm of all possibilities, which gives us the impetus to be in harmony with the flow of the universe. I call out to the power of the heart, which opens to love and connection, which clearly discerns the next right step of our authentic path. I call in the power of the heart to unite the passions of the body with the clarity of the mind, to manifest to our soul's true purpose. I ask for Spirit's help so that we may bring information on this program that has value and meaning for all. May what needs to be said, be said. And may what needs to be heard, be heard.
0: Thanks, Rita. We want to thank Lydia Robert and all of the listeners who've donated to the show. If this show has been meaningful to you in any way, know know that you are now able to donate to express that exchange of energy. To do what has heart and meaning is the most fundamental of shamanic acts. Go to the shamanismnow.com show site, click on the support button. Every dollar goes directly to keeping the show in the air. And today's show is How Do I Find My Authentic Self? Part 2, featuring Christina Pratt. It's been said that anxiety is distance from self. We feel lost or unknown to ourselves, in part because we've lost the skills as a culture to connect deeply with our soul in inner dialogue. Without that inner guidance, our outer persona can wander very far from the true longings of our heart And create a life that still works on a very practical and even culturally acceptable level but is devoid of true heartfelt meaning or purpose if we are on the path to authenticity and spiritual adulthood it is our job to relearn those skills of deep inner dialogue with the self yet as we reach out for help we are betrayed again and again by the failure in our culture to offer valid paths back to our soul and its purpose for being here. The Last Mask Center offers clear and effective training in the inner dialogue we so desperately need and have so thoroughly forgotten. It gives us a valid path back to our soul and its purpose for being here. Our show today will continue where we left off last time, about what soul healing Last Mask Center offers for the individual, why these teachings work, and how the passionate expression of our soul's purpose is exactly the medicine the world needs at this time. We're live this week, and you're invited to call in at 512-772-1938. You can Skype from the co-creatornetwork.com site or email us directly at christina at org.
2: Our guest today is Christina Pratt. (laughs) Kate and I have taken over Christina's show, and now we (laughs) are interviewing her. Christina is the director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She is a shaman, an author, and a teacher, practicing shamanic healing for over 20 years. Christina is the author of the comprehensive book, An Encyclopedia of Shamanism, She is usually the host of this show, Why Shamanism Now? She's located in Portland, Oregon, and is available for long-distance healings. You can reach Christina through her website and get more information about her classes and healings at www.lastmaskcenter.org. As
0: we mentioned, two weeks ago, Rada and I interviewed Christina. Well, we talked about the Last Mass Center and the teachings of her four-year program called the Cycle of Transformation. Now, this was the first time I was on the radio ever, and I was pretty excited and a little nervous. So it's only after the live show was over and went okay that I told all my friends to listen to the podcast, and bless them, they did. What I didn't expect was the number of really astute questions that came up. And the first one was pretty pointed. So my friend asked me, How can going to a workshop once a year really transform your life? And I thought this would be a great place to start our discussion with Christina today about what kind of support there is to incorporate the last mass teachings into people's everyday life.
1: Well, um, let's see where to begin with that. Well, in the first place, um, it is an astute question and it isn't once a year. That each class or each like year one training meets um, every six months, so you're meeting every six months plus for four years, and then um, within the class there are groups of usually three to four, maybe five people at most that are account their accountability peer support. And so within a class, you are, you are committed with a small group of people because it's actually really hard to organize a big group of people. And we found that three or four people can usually get organized to connect with each other, even if they're not local to each other regularly via um, connections via email and, um, and and speaking through free conference on the phone, that people can have a reasonable connection with each other. And one of the things that people don't understand is that journeying is a um, journeying is one of two of the core skills of the training. And one of the things that we found in this community is when someone gets stuck they offer the question to someone in their peer support group and have a couple other people journey on the question for them. And we find that the peer support answers that come through the other people's journeying often is exactly what is needed for the individual to take that next step. And so we found that, the, that setting up a, a network for the peer support is actually more vital than being able to connect with me. Um, not that people can't connect with me, but in terms of your 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 friend's question about how does this support transformation, that we've really found that that horizontal support being readily accessible and able to get other people's perspective in the places that we're kind of deaf, dumb, and blind because it's our issue is um, profoundly helpful. And that technology does help us do that even when we're not local to each other. Um, so the The web begins after an initial class with your peer support group who are the people in your process with you so they they are you don't have to explain what's going on to them they know because they're in it too there's <laughs> that sense of support and then then the next layer of support expands out because um last mass community members meet locally in many areas, so for example, Rada is in Manhattan, and her group. Meets monthly and has now for a decade. And so you can have face to face local support. And the difference in that peer support or the addition to that is now you're with people who are ahead of you in the training and can hear your question and go, oh, yeah, everybody goes through that. Don't worry about it. Try this. And so you get to learn from those who have gone before you and that's um, invaluable support. And at the same time, those who have gotten a bit um, in a rut or a bit jaded about what they think the practices are get to have new people coming into their monthly journey circle having just come from the teachings and are infused by a new perspective on the teachings by the kind of people that just ask the beginner's mind questions that trigger those of us old dogs to learn a new trick. And so there's great um, peer support that comes when you sort of mix the generations in a sense. And so um, that way, even within the peer support, there's breadth and depth. And um, then beyond that, for people that are actually active in the ongoing life of the community they may be on um a council within the community and in that um people who participate in the community have an opportunity to use what they've learned. In other words, if you're in year one, you're learning about the energy of the healer and you have an opportunity to to step out for a moment on those councils as the healer, bringing in the healer information for whatever the council work is that's being done or vice or any of the others, the warrior or the leader or the visionary. And so the work on the community councils um, within the community gives gives people not um, a place to act on the teachings that is not completely enmeshed in their own personal process. And we found that this allows people to learn the skills more deeply because the skill itself is not being lost in the internal drama of the personal process. And so there's even this greater depth of how a person is supported in opportunities to live the teachings because it's not just about It isn't just about transforming yourself. Ultimately, the bigger picture is about living, transforming, and then living differently. And the living differently is as hard as the transformation itself. And this is what we found doing this with contemporary people. We don't live in a healthy shamanic culture. You know, we get a soul boo-boo, and it gets transformed, and then we come back to a healthy shamanic culture, and all is well. We live in a broken system. From a spiritual perspective and so we get a soul boo-boo we get that transformed through the work and then we come back into our everyday life and then it's the really big oh crap how do i live differently in a world that isn't frankly and so so the 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 whole system then is not just the teachings that bring you into this deep transformational process, but how that process is supported by others with you in the process and by others with you in the larger sense of the process at, at the, the whole community level of people um, earlier in the process and later in the process. And then this deeper place of living the teachings by participating in the life of the community on the different, the various community councils that keep the community moving and keep the um, classes and present the classes to the world. So did I forget anything? I mean, and then you have access to me if the the transformational process um gets too confusing or you stump your peers and nobody can figure it out or you just get into a kind of soul loss or some sort of level of healing that gets revealed as the next step in the process that simply needs a shaman to do it. And so people do have access to me as well. Um, but I think the reality of how the work transforms a person is in the relationship between the shaman and the community and how the teachings are held in that dynamic. Did I forget anything?
0: I think that kind of covers the the multiple layers of support that that happens within one's peer, within the whole broad sense of the students' um, opportunities for for leadership and practicing those skills and councils, and then access to you. I think that's a really unique offering of the last Mass center. I, I'm not sure really any any other school offers that kind of support between retreats, workshops, or, or classes. It's a beautiful thing.
1: Well, I know for me in the, in the couple years that I was doing trainings with human teachers, I didn't have access to my teachers at all. Mm-hmm. There was no way to ask them a question other than at the workshop. And even then, my questions were often not answered. And, and I feel like the really big questions come up after we leave the workshop and are are trying to keep our process going in our life, trying to live in a different way. There's a slew of questions that arise with that. And I had no access to my human teachers at all.
2: I'm just wondering, Christina, you're speaking about the cycle of transformation as a whole, but is it really necessary to take all of the cycle workshops and to take them in order?
1: Yeah, this is this has been a really interesting thing because, of course, I didn't get this system handed down to me as a whole set of teachings by some elder, you know, that this is something that has evolved directly from my relationship with spirit, you know, doing my best to understand how to craft that or shape that into a workshop, having people take it, having me look at, you know, where did this effectively convey the teachings and where did this not and how do we fix? So it's been a... um Long process of bringing bringing these teachings through, and I forgot your question, Rada.
2: Um. Well, is is it necessary oh, right. to this, take right, off right, right, right. or
1: right, right? Yeah. So and so, what I've seen in this, and and I and I I have to say this a bit. People don't understand. I didn't make this up, and, and it's really hard for people to grasp. I did not make these teachings up; that they came from spirit, and so. I get to stand in awe of them, and that's not egotistical, because I am constantly re by the depth and complexity of this of this offering to us of this of these four years. And so the reason so and I've played around and I've allowed people to talk me into saying, Oh, I don't need to do that one, I've already done that this way, and people have, have over the, over the years, especially the first 10 years, people have come in at different places in the cycle, and it's a disaster. It is a complete flipping disaster. It's not worth anybody's time and energy because the spirits have crafted this path through this work that, where the complexity of the web that you're weaving in your life is completely invisible, To what you're doing. You're focused on the personal transformation process you're in. You're learning the skills necessary along the way to keep that process deepening. And you are absolutely unaware of the huge web of teachings and understanding that you're building and that it is absolutely critical to have a certain amount of mastery of the first year to actually engage deeply in the second year. And the same for the second to the third and the third to the fourth. And so while I have certainly tried to do it in a more flexible way, it just doesn't work. And compared to how well it does work if we just do it the way spirit offered it to us. And so they do need to go in order because they build so um, not linearly. It's not academically like, you know. You know algebra one oh one and one you know two oh one and three oh one it doesn't build like that it's um, more multi it's so multidimensional I can't even follow it all I know is I have to do certain things each year like things are planted in year one so that they will have grown to a certain place by year four without the student even knowing it's happened and that is true about year three true it's true about every year that That there are things that happen that seem peripheral in these years which flourish in a future year and it's it's unbelievably complex and yet as we go through it it all makes sense in a very linear way so yes people have to go through in order and The first year is not basic in the sense of, oh, I studied with somebody else for four years. I don't need to take the first year because the first year isn't just shamanic skills. The first year is actually a huge piece of the personal work skills we do to develop personal maturity. Ken Wilber talks about waking up and growing up and how you can wake up and have a true enlightenment experience in every sort of level of growing up and Part of what is profoundly unique about these teachings from spirit is they are not just shamanic skills, that they are the personal skills for growing up, even as you wake up through the shamanic skills. And this is, um, a profound problem I see right now we have in, um, in America, in the, in the, in the resurgence of shamanism in America is a lot of people who are very awake, but they're not very grown up. And it's a problem. So anyway, but that's a sidebar. So yes, they need to be done in order and there are just countless reasons why it needs to be done in order. And if you are willing to surrender and do it in order, the payoff is um, unbelievable.
0: So Christina, do people ever repeat workshops or is it just sort of once around the, the cycle and um, that's, that's enough?
1: Um, so far, we haven't met anyone who could once around the cycle and that would be enough. There's a whole lot of people who have only done that. But um, most people who who approach the work deeply realize as you move through the cycle, you're learning skills to go ever deeper in clearing the faults and limiting beliefs and fears that we carry. And the, in the first year, we're... In the first year, we're largely learning the skills to do that, but we are beginning to deal with those things that arise every day that are our own perception, how we are manifesting our own reality and working our own nerves and how to stop doing that. So then in the second year, we take that even deeper into things that are actually in the shadow and are not so superficial and learn how to work with energies in the shadow, and then we go even deeper to our core Level beliefs that structure our entire reality um, and that are the deep stories that we carry and we learn how to clear those that are not really aligned with the greater truth. And then in the fourth year, we do the same even deeper clearing now with ancestral stories and, and really sort of fix, come into right relationship with the dream that's dreaming things into reality. So this just goes deeper and deeper and deeper in our ability to clear away the false self that we've created and manifest, be able to stand up for our authentic self and draw all of our resources into that self and manifest the life our authentic self is here to live. And that's um, very practical. That's not highfalutin ideas. That is precisely the work that we are doing. And so consequently, at the very end, the fourth year has actually got Three parts, not just two parts. And the third part is an opportunity now that you've completed the whole cycle to show that you can do it. And the, and the, and the act in the fourth part is to un- come to understand deeply the mechanism of your personal false self and to dismantle it. And to use the skills you've learned in these four years to dismantle it. So if this was an academic system, this would be writing your dissertation and defending it. Right. So it's not an <laughs> academic system, though. It's experiential. So you have to show that you can use the skills to do the hardest thing there is to do, which is to dump that false self. So once people do that, then they usually look back at the whole four years and go, wow, I need to start this again now that my authentic self is actually available to me because I went through that whole, whole four years as my false self and never knew it. Because that's how deep the false self lies within us. And it takes us four years to get to a place where we can actually unearth it. And so after that, people don't have to take the workshops in order. They can do them in any order that they want. So if someone really feels now that their authentic self is revealed, and they're but they feel the Old patterns of the false self really close at hand, and they really see that their issues keep coming up as being shadow issues, then they would take the second year over again. If someone found that their real issues were around power and their just inability to grasp their own divinity and to stand in their own sovereignty and to manifest their resources into their power and to do what they've come here to do, that inability to stand and deliver basically then they would do year three over again if they just can't get out from the stories that they carry that don't support them they do year three over again if they feel that they keep stumbling on unresolved ancestral issues they would do year four over again and so so a person who's finished all four years can take any workshop over again and many students do and they do it very strategically these are the issues are coming up. No reason for me to piddle around about this. Why don't I just dive back in and know that I can renew my skills and the, and the depth of this um, practice of clearing shadow issues or story issues or whatever issues we're
2: wanting to clear out of our way. Christina, I've felt, uh, you mentioned experiential and um, I've felt the power of a workshop uh, and of the groups of, um, and has helped me get into my body, listen to my body and get into my heart. But would it be possible or or what do you think about having the cycle of transformation offered as a study program on the internet?
1: Well, I am quite honestly, really struggling with that right now in my life, as many of us are. And part of it is I'm struggling with the technology itself, but there, is, there, there are many things in the broad spectrum of life, not just shamanism, but many things that you cannot learn without doing it. In other words, you cannot learn to scuba dive on the internet. Right. Ultimately, you will need to get in the water. <laughs> and only then will you find out whether or not you can clear your ears, whether or not you panic below 40 feet, how frickin' cold it is. I do it in the Pacific Northwest. It's really cold up here. I mean, that, that there are certain things that no matter how effectively we can teach skills and we can teach skills online. I'm, I'm not arguing with that. And no matter how effectively we can use the, the electronic media to convey the stories, because that is the greatest gift, is that it, it expands the reach of the storyteller. And so to the extent that those stories are nourishing and valuable to us, it's a great uh, tool for that. So there are pieces that can be conveyed online. But there are elements of, particularly in shamanism, of learning, it's just like dance, to, to study the technique of dance is not to perform a ballet. You know, you, 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 can't, mm-hmm. you can't learn to play an instrument without playing the instrument. And that, and that there are many things when we start moving into the realm of the soul and the heart where it is not about theory anymore, people. <laughs> and in fact, theory gets in our way. Because the other thing that people neglect to understand – because they haven't had the experiences yet, is that the electronic media does an excellent job conveying things that that suit our mental realm. So it's our visionary capacity, our intellectual capacity, um, stories, drama, all of that stuff. But it doesn't actually convey the crazy logic of the heart and the even more um, deeply moving logic of the wisdom of the body. And so we end up by moving everything online and moving everything into a virtual environment. We continue to load people into this idea that we can do it all through our head. So if I take a really simple but essential skill in our community, which is the energetic clearing work that we do. Now, while the techniques can be taught online, what's important is the actual doing of it. doesn't follow logic. It's an internal process that must be felt. It follows a crazy logic and it doesn't, it isn't really very well suited to non-experiential learning. And that's a fundamental piece of our teaching. So while there are aspects of technique that can be conveyed online, the entire experience So, for example, we did a craft thing. I just finished a piece of one of the workshops two weekends ago. And we went – it's cold here. I'm in Oregon. It was cold. It was on the verge of snow. It was in that place between rain and snow. We all tromp out – Outside of Portland, we're up the Clackamas River, way up the Clackamas River to this bend in the river. It's not a national park. It's not anything special. But we walk down over the bank and we find our rocks that we need for this rock ritual. And we all step up to the edge of this river. It's pouring down rain just on the verge of snow. We're looking out at this gorgeous river reflecting the green of the forest on the other side of the river and the ferns and the rocks and the moss and people start taking their hoods off so they can feel the rain on their head while we do this water ritual. And we're just standing on the side of this river, the roads behind us. This is, we're not, you know, law in Yosemite or anything like that, right? We're just in nature, But we're together and we're in the energy and we've called out the spirit of the water and it's raining down on us and you can feel it on your skin. And more and more people are taking off their hoods to feel the rain on their face, to be standing by this beautiful river. We all step into the river in the end to to put our hands and our face in the water. And it is freezing, but no one cares because we are in The care of the water in that moment and we are offering the stories we want to unburden to the river who is going to take it to the next river and the next and take it out to the sea. And we're so immersed in the experience together of singing to this river and being in this water that we can feel the ocean waiting for the stories. You can't do that online. You just can't do it online. And that ritual is critical for the movement of the process. They stood on a mountain at dawn. Two mornings later, in the snow, awakening their authentic self in an air ritual. We can't do that online. Yet, maybe I don't know. Maybe someday we will, but we can't. We need, and and there are parts of this where we simply need to be together. We're yeah. human, you know. We're pack animals. <gasps> we just need. <laughs> I mean, to to. To surrender and to be in that place of faith and to give over the things that have kept us alive, most of us need someone at our back. For real, not imaginary. So some can, but not all of it.
2: Yeah. That certainly answers my question and and is definitely my experience that it's the power of of being there and the power of the people in that you're working with and going through the real experience.
1: And it's the power of the rituals and the rituals are moved, not by me, you know, mighty super shaman, you know, it's not me. It's the element we're calling out to that is doing the transformation. And, um, you know, we need to be with that element. It can't, it can't all just happen in our heads. Lots happens in our heads, but it can't all happen in our heads.
2: Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And thus emphasizing the importance of the body. Mm-hmm. We we need to be there
1: mm-hmm.
0: in person, in that body.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and there's another piece of the teachings that I think is really important is because not a lot, it's not in a lot of people's shamanic practices is that we use dance a lot precisely to access the wisdom of the body because the wisdom of the body mostly is sitting there going, when are you going to dump this crap you're making me carry around? Can we please do it now? I mean, it is so overtaxed and overburdened with all this stuff our head has decided we need to carry around. The body is just waiting to dance. And to let this stuff go. And that is the other piece is people can get really convoluted in their heads with their journeys and their talking and their process and their teachings and their idea, even about their cosmology. And then when we get up and dance, all that confusion, all that suffocation, all that congestion, all of that head stuff goes away and the more we sweat and the more we dance and the more we make the sounds not the words but the sounds that need to come out the process runs its course and we can be transformed through that dance and if we had to think our way down that path we'd be five years older and we just did it in an hour of sweating you know the other part that's really powerful about this process is getting you know move your butt around (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, like, unplug from the computer get off your butt and go do something that allows the body to to speak in its own language and share its incredible wisdom with us
0: and so the workout tape uh the shamanic workout by christina pratt <laughs> is that coming out soon <laughs> uh, uh. So I have a lot of very practical friends and they asked me, so after these four years, you know, you've, you've danced and you've done all these rituals and you've done all this stuff. Um, do you get a certificate at the end? (laughs) Are you going to be, uh, you know, you're going to shaman school. Are you going to be a shaman? Like, what do you get? What do you get at the end?
1: This has been the ongoing struggle actually with this cosmology and, and I feel like at now 20 plus years as a contemporary practitioner that I can reflect back on my culture and what we are doing and say, I simply do not believe that the best way to train contemporary shamans is to teach them to journey and then teach them the healing forms. And then say, here, you can now go be a shamanic healer if your are helping spirits think you should. I think that this is not um, a good way, the best way to train Shamanic healers. And that is how most people are being trained in America. And so what I can say after 20 years of the cycle, more than 20 years of the cycle, is that what supports us as givers of shamanic healing and receivers of shamanic healing is a shamanic way of living and true community not, I took a workshop with you Also, you're my community. But, but the skills to engage in community. Because understand this, most contemporary people do not have the skills to live in healthy community because people come to every community that they're part of and project their family of origin issues onto that group. That is what people do. And until we have taken the steps to clear those issues, we cannot participate in any group without doing that. It's just psychologically impossible. And so the skills to live in community is to live without that baggage. You have to be willing to live without that baggage. And that is the deeper truth of shamanic communities. And so a shaman normally would exist within that deeper shamanic community. So back to your friends, very practical questions. And, and the truth is, people are offering more and more certification just to get people to come to take their training so that they have something to show for their two years or three years or four years or eight years, however long they take. And that is the biggest fallacy going on right now because humans don't designate shamans. They never have, and they never will. The spirit world picks you, and it's not fair. It often picks people that have no interest and it never picks the people that want it desperately. So so it, the whole idea of getting a certification makes tons of sense in America. It makes tons of sense because that's what people do in terms of their professional training is they get their CEU hours and they get their ongoing, you know, training, continuing education certificates and they get their their diplomas for the wall. And it makes total sense to ask that question in our culture. But and it is driving shamanic trainings in that direction. And this is folly, in my opinion. In my humble opinion, this is very gross folly. That what we need to come to understand is that these teachings make us better people. They make us truly human. They make us the people able, frankly, to stand up and actually do what the Occupy movement is trying to do right now. They give us the skills to live in a world driven by a system other than greed, other than obvious personal gain. We're we're not ready to do that unless we gain these skills. And so what you get from Last Mass Center is the skills to be fully, completely, and magnificently human. The skills to live your soul's purpose. And if that happens, if an aspect of your soul's purpose happens to be to be a shaman, I'm happy to teach you the healing forms. They're not that hard. They're really hard to do well. And they're impossible to do well if you're not living shamanically. And so no, we don't give certificates. I might actually make really cool um, badges, like patches you can sew on your coat.
0: You need a gold star. Yeah. Excellent. Oh. But
1: um, we don't give certificates, and that's partly because I really, really do not want to join this Titanic that people are boarding of having human beings determine who the shamans are. That is just not a good path, people. And so I'm not getting on that boat because it's the Titanic and I know it's going to go down. And so, so no, you don't get a damn thing except yourself.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but you said that there's life skills that are learned. Could you just go into those a little more?
1: Exactly. I mean, wouldn't everybody listening want to be able to go through your day and to not be thrown off your center by what everybody else is doing and what and what's happening around you, to not lose your center based on the news you're listening to? Uh, The dynamic that you're in with your partner, the desire over here to maybe have an affair with this person, and then you've got your teenage kid who's smoking too much pot. I mean, wouldn't you like to actually be able to manage those very normal life issues from a place of heart, a place of groundedness, a place of center, and in a way that conveys your soul's purpose in your life? That's what we teach people to do. We teach people to clear old energies and old patterns, not just the everyday stuff that comes up, although that is critically important, but to move deeply in and clear shadow work. And we're not talking about learning to live with your wounded child. We're talking about healing the wounds of the wounded child. So you have a healthy child archetype living within you. We're talking about learning to live without fear, not normal, actual, real fear like, oh crap, I'm about to be hit by a truck. I mean, that's okay fear. Don't step off the cliff fear. Don't step, you know, normal, real, actual fear, totally valid. But most people are absolutely driven by fear that is not real. It's not true in their life any longer. It was totally crafted in childhood and they're just repeating those patterns. So it's to live with that kind of fearlessness. To live utterly and completely dedicated to your soul's purpose and not worrying about duty, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I mean... There's, there's a huge, huge path of life skills that are utterly and completely practical that allow you to define the world that you live in and live in it, to be grounded, to be compassionate, to be wholehearted in all that you do, to manifest the life that has meaning and purpose for you, and to be the kind of person that inspires others to do the same, a kind of person that calls out the goodness in others the kind of person that inspires others to take a risk and be more than they believed that they were capable of, that, that this is, this is like the basic package for the cycle. (laughs) I mean, mean, this is what the life skills offer. And people ask for so little from life these days. They're willing to take crappy jobs and half-assed relationships and call it good. If they're just, you know, not too far in debt. Our lo- we, we are born of the love of the earth and sky, of the yin and the yang, of this big love, of this profound energy that is not complete unless they are together. We are all children of that love and that love is legendary. It's, it's manifest in all things that we can experience in our physical world. We are born of a legend and we are meant to be legendary. Legendary. And yet I see people asking for so little. And so these are the skills to demand the life you came here for the life you were born for and to write that legend with your blood, sweat and tears and joy and community.
0: So speaking of community, um, you'd mentioned how critical community is um, to living in a shamanic way. So I'm wondering, Christina, could you expand on that, the relationship between community, shamanic practice, and and the shaman? Well,
1: you know, we came around this the long way because I didn't necessarily believe this in the beginning because I myself am an enormously independent individual and my little mantra from childhood was Christina can do it herself. (laughs) So... (laughs) So we came around to this place the long way. Um, But what we found is that our lives involve many, many beautiful things. And that most of us put our own personal process and our own soul's desires low on the list. And that we, and so what happens when we step into community is we are with people that in some sense, put us as a higher priority than we put ourselves. Does that make sense? Mm. So we are with people that remember that last month we said we were Uh gonna do X, Y, Z, and we've totally forgotten, but we matter to them. And so they remember that we made that commitment to ourselves. And they remind us of that commitment and ask, what do you need? to support you in doing that because this month was hard and you forgot. So what do you need? Um, And so that could be anything from needing to clear whatever the block or the limitation is from doing it. It could be a reminder because the person is just forgetting to try to remember to do a new thing. Um, It could be that the group is going to participate together in a ritual to help the person clear something or plant something or awaken something or who knows? I mean, that that we are not meant to do all of this alone. And that is the the sort of the mantra for connecting with spirit. But when it comes to manifestation in our own lives, human beings do better with a buddy. And we do even better with lots of buddies. And And in the community then, there is this rich resource that comes simply out of the fact that it's always easier to see the problems in other people than in ourselves. And so we have in in this community then a group of people who know the same skills. So we're all speaking the same language. We all share the same cosmology. And so we're able then to think of the world in a similar way and to offer support within that shared reality. I mean, I've often talked to friends who I believe they think they're offering support but the world they live in is so different from mine their support doesn't make any sense to me and then the other problem is me it takes so long to explain my problem to others outside of the community that we run out of time to figure out how to fix it and so and so the, the beauty of community mm-hmm. is when you say you know I'm struggling with my monster shadow and this thing is just kicking my ass someone can go yeah I did too let you know You don't have to explain what that means in community. So you have that as well. But So the dynamic then of the community is that you have what human beings need to change, which is immediate small support for those immediate small things we need to do every day. I personally as an individual can't be there for everybody every day for those immediate small things. I can't. I'm one person. And my job needs to be there for the big stuff. I'm like the specialist. I'm there for the soul retrievals and the really confusing issues and the divination journeys that need to happen and the rituals that need to be crafted. And to do that for everybody in the community. That's my job. It's the job of community members to be there for each other. To be there for the clearings. To be there for could you journey on this for me. To be there for I need to do a ritual in spirit said so that I have to have eight people. I mean, there's a story of a community member who needed to do an earth ritual, and he needed to be buried. You can't bury yourself. I mean, you need at least someone to help you dig, you know? And (laughs) and so he put out a call to community, and in the meantime, his father decided he needed to do the ritual with him. And so now we got to do two people, you know? And eventually, I think, I don't know, about eight people converged on this location where they did this. Earth ritual. And they were, some people knew him, some people only knew him by reputation, but that ritual could not have happened had there not been community members to gather and do that. So, so the dynamic is that with community, we have the many hands and the many feet that make the work light work for each of us. And we have that support. We have people that help us remember what we committed to. We have people that, um, help to talk us out of the the deep judgment and control most of us run ourselves through all the time. And we have people to celebrate with, people to experience the joy of of a small victory of our own. And all of this, you know, what people don't understand is if you have no one to celebrate your victories, your warrior is like, I don't want to work again. You know, the warrior wants his song to be sung her song to be sung. And so you've got community members to do it. And the war is like, great, okay, what's the next battle? Let's go. And so the nature of community is to create the, the, the viable, vital, vibrant context in which a human being says, yeah, I can do this. I can do this. Okay, I fell off the horse again, but I'm getting back on and I can do this. And it's very, very human. We, we're not robots. We don't do it just because we agreed in a workshop to do it. We do it because other people help to hold our feet to the fire after, and we hold other people's feet to the fire. And so that's the the most basic level of what the community offers for people because we did these workshops for over 10 years without any real community to speak of. And people just couldn't follow through. It just was too much to ask for people to follow through. And as things developed... And as we brought Last Mass Community into the shape that it's in now, I mean, we just had to ask Spirit, what community do we need to support these teachings in our lives? And that's what shaped Last Mass Community, because we ask Spirit to tell us what does this look like? And that's what we're building. And what it looks like is an old shamanic community, frankly, but, but adapted to be non-local, which is the interesting piece. So the other thing that community offers, as I said earlier, is the community offers us a place as we move into our authenticity to practice the warriorship, to practice the healing, to practice being the teacher or the leader, to practice being the visionary for the people and to not have to over-identify or own that role, but to move into it and move back out of it and and to feel what that feel likes. And in that way, practice our authenticity. The community gives us a place to express our soul's purpose and to have our gifts be received and valued by others. It gives us a place, and for some people, it's the first place that they are able to speak honestly about who they are and to live authentically and to know that they will be loved and accepted for that because they're not yet able to do it at work or in their home. And so the community offers all of these levels of supportive manifestation and opportunity to, to live and act in new ways. Because, you know, back to the original question, the very beginning of the show about transformation, your transformation isn't worth anything if it doesn't change how you live in the world. Mm. And that is what the community piece does. Is it changes the ability for people to take those transformations, which is largely about their relationship with me, and manifest that transformation in their life and in the world. And that's largely about the individual's relationship with the community. And it's mostly a place for individuals to bring their soul's purpose gifts out and, and try before they do it in the big world. And so then the community is essentially a circle with all the individuals within it. And the the four elements of our, our elemental shrines are the outer rim of that wheel with all the ancestors on that wheel with the ancestral elemental energies. And then the shaman is, you know, over here on the side. You know, the shaman doesn't usually live in the middle of the village. I, I'm not the hub of that wheel. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for all of our hard work. It really wasn't God. It was us. But, you know, I... There is a problem when a community centers around a charismatic leader, because when that charismatic leader goes or falls from grace, everything is lost. Mm -hmm. And so the center of the community needs to be the heart of the community, and it is the teachings, and that Mm -hmm. people are committed and part of the community because they want to live those teachings. And I'm over here on the side coming in as needed to do whatever is needed as a healer or a teacher for those teachings and for that community and for those individuals. And also, the other thing I'm doing is looking out at how this community sits in the larger context, both ordinary and non-ordinary reality, and looking at how we fit in the world and where are we going relative to that. Someone has to, you know, look around, you know, put their head up and look around and go, oh, we needed <laughs> to take a left over there, you know. <laughs> so there's that that piece, too, in terms of the visionary piece for the community as a whole. You know, but my, my, my role to the community is just to serve the people, to serve the community. So this year, 2013, the cycle begins again in August, the 11th through the 16th, with Masks of Illusion and the Authentic Self. This is part one of year one, and it will be held here in Oregon at the Still Meadow Retreat Center outside of Portland. Part two, Birth of the Healer, will also be held here in November over a three-day weekend. In 2011, we did an experiment We offered year one in three three three-day weekends that were non-residential. We responded to the desire for things to move out of the retreat format, to diminish travel and cost for people, and simply to make it easier. So we did the work of the teachings, and we didn't live together, and we didn't truly take the personal retreat time away from the patterns of everyday life. So what I observed is that to the person The people participated similarly in the work as with any other group that's gone through these teachings. In other words, they got it at the time. And then after the final weekend, participation plummeted to a degree far below average or normal. In fact, it was to a degree that was far below the very beginning of teaching these workshops when I had no idea what I was doing. And there was no mentorship, there was no community, there was no support. And yet the participation just plummeted after this experiment. And so there's always attrition. I'm not talking about attrition. Um, That's to be expected. But there was simply no sense of having created anything sustaining after all of the work of offering um, this body of teaching to people. So this stands in sharp contrast to the sustaining relationships that get created in every other retreat in the past 23 years of the cycle teachings. It speaks to one of the big messages I'm working on right now, actually, in my own understanding. And that is the message that says we as contemporary people really won't understand shamanism fully nor will we access the full power it has to heal our illnesses of person and culture until we understand what it means to live in shamanic community in contemporary times. So this is what that means to me, what shamanic community means to me. Because I have absolutely no intention personally of living the way any of the indigenous people I have ever visited are living. That's not my point. It's not about the form of how they live. It's about why they live the way that they do. So so to live, for me, what it means to live in a shamanic community in contemporary time is it means that we live together in a way that is sustainable in terms of resources from the environment and resources from the creativity of people and that it is sustainable in that we create or that we cultivate our vast resources of support with our ancestral realm by clearing up the unresolved energy of all of our stuck-dead relations. And so the first thing this means to me is that we live sustainably in all different ways of understanding what it means to be sustainable. To live a shamanic community in contemporary times, to me, also means that we live together in a way that is humane and heart-centered first. It can still be innovative and creative and entrepreneurial and, frankly, profitable. If we were all living our soul's purpose, I believe that it would be. But we must come to understand that profit cannot continue to be the primary motivating force in every exchange. It's not sustainable. It's not that it's right or wrong or evil. It's simply not sustainable. So the only way to create number one, to live sustainably, is to learn to live in a way that is humane and heart-centered first. The next thing that this means to me, to live in a shamanic community in contemporary times, means to me that we learn to live together in a way that is peaceful. That we learn to embrace diversity um, as a resource, not as a reason to kill each other. And not as a reason to beat up gay children or to um, shoot people because they are of a different ethnicity than we are. That the world has simply gotten too small to keep pretending that war helps anyone other than those who build weapons, those who supposedly rebuild after war, supposedly. Like what really did Halliburton do in Iraq but make more money for people that have stock in Halliburton at the expense of the U.S. government, which is you and me and our tax dollars, So my point is, to live together peacefully, we must frankly stop pretending war helps anyone. Because it certainly is really only helping those who wish to climb to power at all cost. So the fourth thing, there's only five, but the fourth thing that living in shamanic community means to me is that we must understand how and why to do those things, sustainable, uh, heart-centered, and peaceful, that we must learn to do those things to create, to do that, we must create and keep a true connection to nature. We will need nature to survive, period. That's a given. It's science. We need nature to survive. Thus, we must find a way to live here in balance with nature. If we wipe out nature, we are wiping out ourselves. And that ultimately, we must cultivate a connection to a source or a higher power that is not translatable because we need to stop killing each other or shutting someone's life down over a name of God or a particular translation from God. That if we can go back to the shamanic understanding that all that is is untranslatable, then there is no excuse to killing someone for understanding that energy differently. So these things are critical if we are to live in a shamanic community in contemporary times. And I passionately believe that we must do this if we are to write a new story for the people. I have worked with Spirit for two decades to craft a path for us to do this. And I have worked with great gratitude with the people from all over who were willing to come to these retreats when I was just learning. And no one knew who I was. Together we have created a path, we have a skill set, and we have a viable community. What What we need now is to grow. Hello, everyone. It is 2018, and here is what is new at Last Mask Center. So first off, the cycle of transformation does begin again in 2018 with Massive Illusion June 3rd through 8th. We are taking uh, registration now. You can go to lastmaskcenter.org um, to the home page and download the registration form there. Space is limited, and we are currently about half full. The next thing is 2018 brings the beginning of new live transformational online learning here at Last Mass Center. And we will begin this year with energy body hygiene and the clearing practice um, that is so often referred to on Why Shamanism Now programs. And to get on the mailing list for these offerings, go to whyshamanismnow.com, scroll down to the blue part on the bottom, and add your name to the email list. And finally, the one live clearing intensive that will be offered this year will be offered in Seattle February 23rd through 25th at Tiger Lily Yoga. And you can go to lastmasscenter.org homepage and link through for the registration there. So, thank you, everyone. Here we go for a brand new year. Have a good week.